Welcome back to Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast here with Benji as always for the recap of stage two of the Tour de Polonia. This show is brought to you by our show partner, Lacole, who produced performance cycling apparel. They have a Vuelta style stage, 201 Ks long again, finishing at like 645, uh, keeping me up late. It's flat and then three climbs. The middle one, 2K 9%, then Grujawa, 3.1K, 6% descent, and then a flat section of about mm, 20 Ks before 1.5Ks, 8%, with a descent in the middle. Uh, it's what we saw on the road. I can't see the profile exactly. Yeah, but it was I can't see it on descent. the profile either, the descent. Like yeah. it, it came out of nowhere for me and I was like, oh, there's a descent here. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but sorry, but can I just remind you that it's seven in the evening? So how does this race keep you up late? Because <laughs> I want to do sleep at eight? Then talk about Tour of Bologna <laughs> at 7 p.m. Like, come on. <laughs> True, it's a fair point. Um, yeah, the, the profile straight up lied. There's like 15% pinches here. It uh, seemed like some people knew the profile, some didn't. There's a left-hand corner into the base of it. We have no one that came top 10 in flesh here, uh, but we do have uh, Moritz, Fiakovsky, Almeida, Diego Ulisi was probably the favorite. I think I, he, I picked him yesterday. And, uh, yeah, so it was all about whether UAE could control breakaways on the succession of three hills with riders like Kevin Yard, Personal Burger attacked. But Benji was paying close attention. Um, what sort of breakaway riders did we have trying to make a move? Basically, at the start, three ruler riders. We had Bawaro, Personal Burger, and Ryan Mullen. So typical rulers in the breakaway to keep that tempo up. And eventually they were uh, caught, except for Personal Burger, who went on a bit of a solo trip on those few hills we've got with about 40k to go and we had some attacks coming in the peloton then while Bauhaus was falling off the back on those hills not unexpected to uh actually stay there because the finish doesn't suit him so it's expected that he drops but Bursterberger kept on going and Girmay started attacking towards him closed him down and was actually solo for a bit but it didn't take that long because attacks kept coming behind Pascal Inkorn attacked for Yambo we had Oldani bridging up as well to Girmay then a, a group attack of like six seven riders with Mohoric at a certain point and yeah a lot of riders attacked and eventually they all got caught because UAE wasn't having it they wanted the uh potential victory of Ulysses on this final climb and they were trying to set it up and it looked very clear that they were going to go for Ulysses. He was in last wheel of the train and Kovi was doing work just before the climb started. So I wasn't expecting Kovi to uh, be their candidate here. So all for Ulysses. But yeah, when we came to the climb, we saw that we didn't see an instant move because like you said, it's got an uphill section. It's got that descent. And then the final, well, good 700 800 meters once again climbing to the line and we did see one move early on right yeah we saw Biniam Gormai actually coming up the left hand side Lotto were like Lotto were trying to fight for position but then they kind of yeah. Brent van Moor pulled off early and it was every time it was reminding me of this the, the corner unfortunately where hey crash Benji Moritz True. rails this left hander you see him gapping everybody and keeps it upright it's like cobbly surfaces as well and he creates a split and he has Biniam Garmai on the wheel and one other who was the one other rider in that trio can't remember I can't tell you doesn't matter anyway we've got turns who maybe we thought Bahrain were riding for and Intermarche I think Biniam Garmai was riding for Roti you kept seeing him look around I don't think that, that the plan was for him to be doing a solo yeah. move 
And he's, yeah, but anyway, like great handling from him. Those three go up the road. And you see Morich is literally playing with the lap button on his head unit whilst doing this climb on the front. And he's staying within himself quite a lot, riding to a certain power. He gets brought back. And then Joao Almeida attacks with like 1,400 metres to go. I swear it's more on a steeper section when everyone has stopped pedalling and gets a good gap. And immediately I was like, no, he's cost himself. (laughs) <laughs> for the win here but i i couldn't the cameras were focused on him so i only got one angle who were the teams really pay, like did uae have anyone pacing for ulysses well no because at that point the temple went up that much with the initial kick of almeida that the other people were just looking at each other and they weren't riding at a slow pace they were trying to keep him within reach but it wasn't until Ina rubio came around right from movistar the youngster to actually set up base again and actually gap the others because it didn't feel like there was a team controlling that area of the climb. It felt like it was 1v1v1v1v1 every single time. And I think that's partially because of the split you spoke about earlier, that that opened up a bit of a gap. Other people had to close that and you the mystiques were spent closing that. But eventually, when Almeida went, Aina Rubio was the only one who was remotely able to respond in somewhat of a form, was on 10-15 meters for a bit. Came closer and closer and closer until after a corner, Almeida went again. But in the group behind, we had Ulysses still ready and Kwiatkowski still ready. So, yeah, Almeida's created this race situation because Kwiatkowski and all the other guys trying to win the stage are having to close now this big gap on his own where everyone's trying to sprint across. They get sort of close. Rubio is a good example and then they just die on their feet. We saw Rubio get to 10 metres, stop pedalling, and Almeida sort of just keep doing his pace. Kwiatkowski had no one pacing for him. Ulysses does the same thing, tries to attack across the gap, thinking, okay, if I get to Almeida, I can then recover, then beat him in the sprint. He attacks across and gets there, and I think Almeida stuffed this. We've still got 400 metres to go. It's super steep. Ulysses is supposed to be quick, uh, and Morich is also sort of bridging across as well. Almeida keeps pacing. I think Ulysses gives him a little attack. Almeida tries to counter, ties Ulysses out more. Then they go around this left-hand corner, sprint almost downhill to the line a little bit, and Almeida beats Ulysses in the sprint finish easily With after they'd been finessing. Mohoric had started to get into their draft, but was just a little bit late. And Almeida takes his first win, pro win really, if you're not counting Portuguese national champs ITT, First World Tour win ahead of Ulysses, Mohrich third. Yes. I know. And just after, by the way, we just put up the uh, bits and pieces of art on YouTube, the transfer podcast, the segment on Almeida. Didn't you You called Almeida uh, an overhyped winless fuck? I thought no, I didn't. No, 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 no. I said he would win. I said he would win next year. I didn't expect it right now in the Tour of Poland, to be honest. I, I thought he had a big chance of GC, but winning a stage wasn't really on the radar yet for me but i'm really happy that he won and like you you mentioned the comparison where someone goes early and the others have to close it this kind of reminds me in a toned down fashion of a murder wheel like climb where you have to go early if you want to try and force that like roglic went early for example this year and was just caught before the line because alafali waited till the last corner it's a rough comparison, but right here, Almeida went early and Ulysses decided to close the gap later and he was able to close the gap, but afterwards he didn't have the energy to beat Almeida on the line. And this is not 
a shitty win by Almeida. Like, I actually feel like this is a valuable win because not only... You'll see on these type of parkours is in the Giro often unbeatable. And this is where he gets his stage wins in the Giro, you'll see. And Almeida proving that he can do that on this parkour proves that he can do it in ground tours in the future as well. And I do expect that to come. Now, is this a World Tour victory where you're like, oh, you can beat Alaphilippe on a punch next year? Nah, that's unlikely. It's uh, it's a win, and it's a very good one, I think. And I'm I'm happy that he's finally got his victory because he started to look a bit like Kalnerman, and nobody wants to look like, well, victory-wise oh, at least. We knew this was coming. He's really punchy, and he's got, got a fast sprint. He got beaten by Ulysses in a head-to-head sprint, actually, in the Giro last year. There's that photo of them. Uh, but this was coming, and that's what you know, Benji yeah. did. Benji noted he hadn't won yet, but we, you know, he said it, a win was coming, and here it is. Uh, the full top ten, by the way, is Almeida, Ulysses, Moritz, then a four-second gap to Kvyatkovsky, then it's Honoré fifth, who'd just been marking moves. Maybe he could have done better because he had Almeida up the road. Lorenzo Rota, Hindley 7th, Aliotti 8th, Dylan Turns 9th, Wellens 10th. Uh, so like not the not the best puncher of field ever in, in history cycling, but still a good win from Almeida nonetheless and putting him in a good spot for uh, GC at this race. He now takes the leader's jersey four seconds ahead of Morich. We have a TT on stage six, which is a flat TT, 19 kilometres long. He can gain some more time there. So... Almeida looking like the the heavy favorite one with yeah, the GC here. Uh, I believe the same. Now for the time trial itself, I'm probably also looking at a Bietti and so forth, but that's not a GC rider, of course. So likely Almeida is the favorite here for GC, but we've had some weird stuff happening in the final stage of a Polonia before where we've got a solo of Mohoric and he finally takes four minutes suddenly. So stuff can really happen, but I've got a feeling that his team here, Almeida's team is relatively strong on this kind of terrain with an Honore as support. That's not a weak rider. Definitely he's shown it today once again. So I think that the Koenig team here should be strong enough to bring Almeida to a potential overall victory here. And there's quite some stages to come where stuff can happen. But I feel like it's mainly the time trial because that that fourth stage should be an issue should not be an issue with just the two climbing finishes. And then stage five is that typical hilly terrain where I think Carapaz won last year or something, or am I completely stupid? Maybe, yeah, I think so. Maybe the year before. I can't remember. I know all I remember is Remco winning the year before last year and he had that massive solo. So yeah. is GT ambitions cursed for young quick riders who winter a Poland? One of one <laughs> start sample size so far. But yeah, the the Bukovina resort Benji mentioned like that should not be a problem for Almeida. Maybe if Hindley or someone was on their Giro 2020 form and we had a 20K 6-7% climb, but not this sort of, you know, 2K 7%, there's like 4K 5% before it should not be a problem for him at all. Uh, but Ulysses is such a weird rider, Benji. Like he – is he even – I know he just doesn't really have a sprint, a sprint at all. I, I always try find it hard to categorize him. Is he just a low? Is he just a fast puncher that does a different schedule to the traditional punchers like Cosner for or Alaphilippe? I always found Ulysses the type of rider that is a, not necessarily the the strongest sprinter, but the riders that he gets over climbs with are usually riders that don't have that punch, and that's why. He's got the ability of 
keeping up an extra kick in that final 200 meters and 300 meters and try and do that. Today, he had to use that kick to try and close an Almeida. And then Almeida decided to counter him when I didn't expect Almeida to be able to do so. So I think he had to use that second kick right there and right then to try and follow Almeida. And I think that's where he lost the opportunity of winning today's stage. But yeah, he's a he's a special type of rider. He can get over climbs inconsistently. I can't say that he consistently gets over big climbs, but he's done it before. And once he does, then at the end of a climb, it's unlikely that there's someone in the group that has a bigger punch and Lazar Oglic is there or someone like Pogacar, that type of rider. But Almeida has shown in the Giro as well last year when he was 1v1 in Conrad in that in that sprint for bonus seconds and in the stage where Sagan got dropped on one of those hills and the second group was trying to get it back and then Bora didn't want to wait for him, stuff like that. But yeah, people might remember that. But right there, he showed that he has a, a sprint as well against the likes of a Conrad. So Almeida has a punch and he showed it once again today and I'm really happy that he won today's stage. Two riders that I want to point out doing well at World Tour level, Lorenzo Rota again. He looked good in yes. breaks at the Tour de France. Fourth at San Sebastian, now sixth on this stage. Quite a good result. Now he's not 20 years old, he's 26. But this is his first year at World Tour level in Intermarché and he's performing very, very well. Um, and they got him for another year in Intermarché. So one to note. Uh, any thoughts on Rota, Benji? I think Rota's... Uh... I had him for a Giro victory <laughs> this year, remember? Oh, yeah, it was that did. hot take I had, and then he didn't go to the Giro, so that was a <laughs> bummer. But yeah, I feel like uh, he's a rider that has that punchy ability, but he's always with somebody that is better. So yeah, he feels like a kind of rider for the Italian classics for me, and I think he's proven that in Laiweglia at some point this year or last year, something like that, probably both actually. Yeah, last year, his Italian classics, top 20s everywhere, so... That's the type of races that I do see him uh, do well in, and that translates to a race like this. And before you throw in your other rider, I'd like to mention that there's a French rider in 13, Clément Bertet, that is performing really well. He's uh, 24, and he got 13 here, but he also was great at Route d'Occitanie and seems to be uh, consistently doing well on relatively hilly terrain. So big ups for him as well. But what's your uh, other rider? Well, I think we mentioned him before, Ina Rubio. Um... I'm not sure if we mentioned in the Vuelta preview or somewhere that it's just outrageous. He's not going to the Vuelta Espana for Movistar with the shape this kid's in. 23 years old, second on Laguna Stanaya uh, at Burgos last week, dropping Yates, Bernal and Landa, uh, five seconds behind Carthy. That's a hard mount top finish. Now, punchy today. Yes, the result doesn't, you know, 11th, but... With some help, and if if it all was different, you know, he was very strong on this finish. And I think Gonzalo Gonzalo Serrano has been good punching as well for Movistar. He's out of contract, Rubio at Movistar, but literally the whole team is. So maybe they just haven't. They usually announce it all at once, I think. And uh, it's definitely a guy I'd be re-signing. I just can't believe he's not going to the Vuelta España because like, he's. He's like Sosa size, Benji, 56 kegs, 1.64 meters, but he seems a bit, I don't know, he seems to have way more punch than Sosa has, right? Yeah, yeah. He seems to have uh, much more punch in him, but he's also, like, uh, it's it's hard to compare. Rubio was the kind of, wasn't he the guy that literally was with Thomas Hien at the Giro last year and didn't yeah, want to yeah, take yeah. over and or couldn't take over from his <laughs> team and one. Thomas Hien got angry? Okay, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I feel like he's he's likely a bit more uh, 
yeah, he's kind of a typical rider, but Sosa proved more. Like, but yeah. Sosa also proved to be more inconsistent. <laughs> yeah, I think definitely a guy I'd be wanting to re-sign. And, uh, yeah, maybe, certainly. I, just to have someone that could maybe punch on flesh in the lower slopes of Valverde or something like that. But hope everyone enjoyed Almeida's long overdue, even though he's like 21 years old, <laughs> first world tour victory. Uh, he's obviously off to UAE. 23, but okay. <laughs> off to UAE next year on a five-year deal. Check out our transfer pods. Uh, it's up in full-on podcast players, and we'll put it up in uh, broken up into topics on the YouTube channel. We just, as I said, put up the Almeida one. We'll have Ackerman, Soler, Bennett, all the Bora second-tier GC signings, uh, separate videos coming throughout the week. We recorded our Vuelta preview today. That should be uploaded on podcast players tomorrow morning and Wednesday morning, Europe time, and if I'm working efficiently, Wednesday evening uh, tomorrow. But don't hold me to that. But hope you enjoyed the recap. We'll see you tomorrow. Ciao.